talking about anything and everything. I've got 127 topics to discuss with you. News Radio 610. WIOD. Ten thirty six. Brian has the week off. I am Bloom Daddy. Eight six 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 ten news. Today is a big day for college football fans and for college football coaches because you've got a number of elite prospects announcing where they're going to go to college today. And one of them has, if you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you're on uh, the edge of your seat because you are looking at a four star defensive lineman, Najalik Kelly. He's six four two forty out of Dillard High School in Fort Lauderdale. The 12th-ranked prospect in Florida, Florida State, LSU, Oregon, Indiana, all after this guy, but the crystal ball is saying Miami. But again, he's going to make his announcement today at 2 o'clock, and a lot of other ones going down today, more probably tomorrow, and then, of course, on Friday. Speaking of football, the NFL is requiring booster shots and stricter COVID protocols. I want to bring on Patty Olinger, expert on infectious diseases, executive director of GBAC. Patty, always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, what's going on with the NFL here? I mean, why are we seeing this resurgence? Well, they, you know, they saw a resurgence of of positive testing and everything. And if you think about it, they're trying to protect the season. Um, you have the end of the season coming up here uh, with Super Bowl, you know, and you know the end of January and everything. And if you have teams go down, it takes everybody down. And so, you know, for the fans, for the players, for the industry. It's, they're trying. It, my read is is they're really looking at how can we protect at the best of our ability this industry. Yeah, I, I get that, but we're talking about a league with the strictest COVID protocols you're going to find anywhere. You're talking about a league with 94 percent of their players vaccinated, yet they're still having this huge outbreak, and it's not amongst the unvaccinated players. So, what does that tell us about this virus? Well, the virus, we know um, that the vaccine protects us against serious illness and death. We do. We know that um, the vaccine and that, you know, now with Omicron, you know, kind of lurking around the they know that getting a booster helps protect against that as well, as well as they're starting to look at, you know, are we having the ability to even protect, you know, does that booster shot protect us even more? And the results that are coming back are yes. And so. Um, again, they're looking at what are the best methods that we can protect our players with very strict protocols as we're heading into the, you know, final stages of this season. Okay, all these players that are infected, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say they're gonna be perfectly fine. So why do they need a booster? We're talking about young, healthy athletes who are rarely ever affected by COVID. So why keep injecting them with stuff? Well, I mean, first of all, we don't know, you know, I mean, everybody can potentially have underlying medical conditions. And even if you look healthy and maybe you are healthy, that does happen. And we know that. The other thing is that it's also, you know, they talk about tier one, tier two individuals and those who are affiliated with the administration. It's not just the players. It's also the administration as well who are around these players and could potentially become infected. And, you know, and then potentially, you know, spread it to somebody else in their family. And those are the types of things that they're really trying to, you know, nail down on. 
Okay. Patty, we've talked enough times. And, uh, I mean, I, I feel like you're my friend. <laughs> but Someday we're going, actually going to meet. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and I, I like co- I, talking to you because we do disagree on some things, but you, you, in, you inject common sense, which is rare in this conversation. But I keep on hearing if, if, if. There's an old saying, if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. I mean, we keep playing this if game. I mean, I'm tired of it. I think a lot of people are tired of it. We were told way back when, get vaccinated, we lose the masks, you're good. Well, that sure as hell hasn't happened. Now it's get vaccinated again. Then it's a third vaccination. Then it's a booster. Now they're talking about a fourth vaccination. I mean, at what point is enough enough? Oh, you know, I think everybody is feeling that. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on on, from a standpoint of the vaccine. Um, We do realize that... (laughs) You know that vaccines protect against the serious illness and death. We know that the high, that those who are currently in the hospitals, which we're seeing those numbers in certain locations go up. Uh, we know that they're predominantly unvaccinated. I mean, ninety some percent unvaccinated individuals that are getting those serious infections. Uh, we know that the vaccine doesn't protect you a hundred percent from becoming infected. And we know that if you're infected, whether you're vaccinated or not, you can spread it to other individuals. So we're still in this mode, unfortunately, that we have a fairly large percentage of the population out there that is unvaccinated and what we would call vulnerable. And so from that standpoint, the vaccine does help protect. Now, the part about the boosters, you know, it's frustrating. We wanted a one and done. Don't I don't ever have to do this again. Unfortunately, you know, think of the flu vaccine, think of the measles boosters that we should have occasionally and other things that are vaccines that we sometimes have to have a booster because our, what we call it, immunity wanes. We're still learning, and I, I hate to say that, but we're still learning about this virus and our vaccines. And, you know, again, it's a layered approach right now. And as we're heading into this, you know, season of winter and flu, we still need to be diligent and and protect ourselves and our families. I'm not going to ask you to get political because you're not a political analyst, but we both know this has become a political football. But as an expert on infectious diseases, can you give me a reason why, and this is according to National Public Radio and the Wall Street Journal, way back in May, the CDC stopped tracking breakthrough infections unless they were really, really severe. Why would they do that? And they're not giving a comment as to why they quit doing it. But a lot of states kept doing it, and the vaccinated are actually getting infected a lot higher than what was previously noted. Why would the CDC stop tracking breakthrough infections? I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I I would guess that it's probably logistics. Um, you know, to keep tracking everything becomes difficult. From I don't, I, I, but I don't know the answer to that. It would be interesting to hear what their their reason is. Yeah, because I just I, I think it's because they don't want any pushback on the narrative that it's just the unvaccinated who are getting sick and dying. So therefore, we're just going to quit tracking it. I mean, that would that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you hear from the hospitals themselves. You know, as far as um, those in the you know ICUs and and the percentage of of unvaccinated versus vaccinated is extremely high in a lot of those ninety um, some percent in in many situations and so we hear that but you're right we don't hear um, 
what what's the percentage of breakthrough infections i don't you know the other part of that is that now with the the ability of the at home test which if you think about it testing before you go visit grandma um maybe it is part of how you keep families safe is i'm going to test before i go um, I lost my voice last week. This is the first day that I've actually been able to talk <laughs> fairly normal from laryngitis. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, if I was going to go see grandma, you know, you test before you go. And now that people have the ability to go to Walmart, to go to, you know, the CVS or Walgreens or whoever and grab a test, test at home. That's part of the logistics part is that we're not getting that feedback. It's not required that you go to a testing center that gets logged in. And so that's part of the other issue is that probably not everybody is alerting that they're positive or that they're actually being tested. All right, last question real quick, 30 seconds. As an expert on infectious diseases, should natural immunity, should antibodies be part of the picture? It seems like they've just been kicked to the curb. Um, it is always part of the picture. It's sometimes hard to quantify for people if you think about it. Um, you know, natural immunity, and I think that, again, unfortunately, I'm going to say it, and I, I apologize to everybody. We're still learning how good they are. The thing that the natural immunity does is it gives you immunity to one variant for the most mm-hmm. part. It doesn't okay. necessarily equate to the others. All right, Patty, good luck with the voice. Thanks, as always. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, that's Patty Olinger, expert on infectious diseases. And, you know, I got an email. I got a call from a guy who said, hey, my brother was real sick with COVID. He's unvaccinated. He was in the hospital, and he was talking to a nurse, and she told him that they were actually seeing, now this was in another state, that they were actually seeing more vaccinated people in the ER sick than they were unvaccinated. That's according to one caller. I got to hit a break. I'm back after this.